Well, today we're continuing our message series called Basic Training. Now, whenever you do any kind of training, you need a manual. And what is our manual for basic training that we're talking about? Well, it's the Bible. The Bible is God's revelation of himself and how we ought to relate to him. Now, we can learn a lot about God just by looking at creation. We can see how wonderful he is, how great he is by looking at the stars and the planets. But we can't understand many other things about God until he reveals them to us. And he has revealed them to us in the Bible. He's created us and he's given us a manual, an owner's manual on how to relate to him, our creator, and how to live the life on this planet that he intended us to live. And so today, the next discipline we're going to learn about in our basic training is hearing God's word. Hearing God's word. Now, many people think the Bible is just another book. It's a book the same as millions of other books that we have around us that exist in the world today. Now, unfortunately, many of the people who think the Bible is just another book have not actually read the Bible. Once you begin to read the Bible, you begin to understand that it's a unique book. It's one of a kind. There's nothing like it. And although the Bible was written down by men, the words that they wrote were not their own words. The words that they wrote were inspired by the Holy Spirit. I'd like us to take a look at the first verse. Now, in the middle of your bulletin is a, an outline on the white page. You can pull that out. I encourage you to do that. It has the outline and the verses that we'll be using today written out. On the back is study questions that uh, many of the life groups use in their discussions during the week. 2 Peter 1.21 says, For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so the words of prophecy in the Bible were not just things that men decided to write down. It didn't come, it didn't originate in the will, in the thought, in the imagination of men. Men spoke from God as they were carried along, as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so it was the Holy Spirit that revealed to the authors of the Bible, the people that actually put pen to paper or quill to parchment or whatever it was, uh, the Holy Spirit carried them along to write the 66 books that make up the entire Bible that were written over literally thousands of years, but they all hold together in a beautiful unity, telling one story, the story of Jesus, uh, inspired by God himself. And so the Bible is God's word, and you cannot, I cannot live a life pleasing to God without it. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17 says all, you might want to circle that word all, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so all of the, all of the Bible is breathed by God. That's another way of saying inspired by the Holy Spirit. It came from the heart of God. And it was written down in the pages of Scripture. And it's useful. It's useful to equip us to do the good things, the good works that God created us to do. And so the purpose of the Bible isn't simply to fill our minds with Bible stories. The purpose of the Bible isn't just so that we can understand and outline a book and understand the information there. No, the ultimate purpose of the Bible is first and foremost 
that unbelievers would be shown to have how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The first purpose of the Bible. The second purpose of the Bible for believers is that it would equip us to carry out the plan and purpose that God has for our lives. Today in America, recent polls show that 56% of people, of adults, believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God without any errors. So still the majority, that number is shrinking. It used to be much higher, but 56% still believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. Only 37% read the Bible at least once a week. And only 19% read God's word at least four times a week. And in my experience, that number is probably a bit high. He's like, how often do you, well, yeah, yeah, I probably read it four times. What did you read last? can't really remember. So they need to have some follow-up questions. Uh, but anyhow, in order to be blessed by God's word, we need to read it. We need to apply it to our lives. I'd like us to watch a video about God's word, about the Bible. It's called Written on Your Heart. We need God's word written on our hearts. There's many things written on our hearts, but we need to replace the other things with the Word of God. And I trust that today's message, as we talk about God's Word, it will encourage you, it will inspire you to a greater appreciation of God's Word, how to make it an increasingly high priority in your life as we read it, as we study it, as we apply it, and as we talk about it with others, that we may share the truth of God's Word. Now today we're going to be talking about a man whose grandfather promoted idolatry on a massive scale. His grandfather practiced sorcery. His grandfather consulted mediums. He shed much innocent blood and even sacrificed his own sons to idols. The father of the man we're going to be talking about was as bad as his grandfather. He lived a very short and evil life. And yet the man we're going to talk about today was not a prisoner to his past. He was not a prisoner to his upbringing he didn't follow in his father's or his grandfather's footsteps. He boldly chose to live his life based on God's word, based on God's standard. And his name was Josiah. He chose to walk in God's ways. 2 Kings 2, 20, uh, 22 verse 2, our story begins. It said, Josiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David, not turning, turning aside to the right or to the left. Now, Josiah's earthly father was a man named Ammon. His grandfather was a Manasseh, and they'd done much evil in their reigns as kings of Judah. Josiah's father, Ammon, had been assassinated when he was a young man. And Josiah became a king at age eight. He chose not to follow his father. He chose not to follow in his grandfather's footsteps, but he chose to follow in the footsteps of an ancestor of his, a man named David. A man that God's word says was a man after God's own heart. And so Josiah made a choice how to live his life. He chose to reject his upbringing he chose the right and not the wrong. He wasn't swayed by temptation, the voices of others who had influenced his father and grandfather. But he chose to walk in God's ways. And as he followed God, Josiah chose to rebuild 
the Lord's temple. Verse 5, and I'd encourage you to read all of chapter 22 and 23. We're just going to look at selected verses to look at the story in view of time. Josiah gave a command. He told the workers uh, or his followers, his servants, he says in verse 5, have them entrust money to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple and have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord. So Josiah's grandfather Manasseh had reigned for 55 years. His father reigned an additional two years before he was assassinated. And during this long period of time, almost 60 years, the temple of the Lord had fallen into disrepair. It had not been kept up. And as we'll see, many things that shouldn't have been going on in the temple had been going on. The worship of the Lord in his temple was not a priority for Josiah's father and grandfather. And so Josiah gave instructions for the workers to repair the temple of the Lord. That was the place where the believers of the time gathered to worship God. And as the work was going on, they discovered God's word. Verse 8. Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan who read it. And so this high priest Hilkiah, I don't know a lot about him, but he'd been serving in this rundown temple. The high priest, as the high priest, he didn't even know where the book of the law, their scripture of the day was. The book of the law was the scripture that was available at that time. It consisted of the the books of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But it had been lost. Now in those days, there were not printing presses. There were not Bibles all around. Now all the writings of the Bible were handwritten. The copies were hand copied. And so they were very rare and very precious. Oftentimes, the book of the law would be kept in some hidden receptacle in the temple or perhaps in a cornerstone of the temple to hide it. And apparently as they were repairing the temple, going through all the different parts of the temple to repair it, they found the book of the law. And Shaphan the secretary read the book of the law most likely for the first time. And as Josiah had chosen to walk in God's ways at an early age, God was guiding to bring the whole nation back into walking in God's ways. And for that to happen, they needed the word of God to guide them. And so God miraculously allowed the book, saved the book, a book that we read today, at least that first part, and he was going to use it to bring the whole nation back. And so the things uh, that Josiah's grandfather and father did were evil. They worship idols of all kinds. And so our nation today worships idols as well. Not idols of wood or stone, but idols of things that are just as unspeakably evil. Josiah's grandfather had sacrificed his own sons in the fire as an offering to the idol Molech. Today, infants in the womb are sacrificed through abortion to the idols of pleasure and choice. We have our idols today. From the text, as you can read in 
the rest of chapter 22, we see that male homosexual prostitutes were operating right out of the temple of the Lord. And we'll see that Josiah did something about it. But today we see homosexuality of all kinds being celebrated right and left. People taking pride in perversion, even in many churches and denominations. And so what are we as believers to do? We are also like Josiah, to make a commitment to walking in God's ways, regardless of the evil that's gone on in the past. Today, we look at the church in America, I would say it's in disrepair in many ways, as was the temple in Josiah's day. The church in America is having less and less influence on our society and our culture. In fact, the sins of the culture are seeping into the church, just as the sins of the pagans had crept into the temple in Josiah's day. And so we must commit, like Josiah, to building the church, repairing the church, which is the temple in which God dwells today, basing it on God's word and on the power of God. So let's stand together and choose to stand up for the truth of God's word in our day and time as Josiah did. In order to make a difference, we must read God's word. Verse 10, then Shaphan the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. And so it's not enough just to have God's word. Polls show that the average American home has five copies of the Bible on their shelves. It's not enough just to have copies of the Bible on your shelf. It must be read, it must be understood. And here Shaphan the secretary Reads it with King Josiah. And the next verses that we're going to read, we're going to see that King Josiah has never had an opportunity to read that book. But when it was read, Josiah believed it. He took it to heart. Reading God's word should bring about change in our lives. Reading God's word should lead us to repent of the sins in our lives. Verse 11, when the king, that is King Josiah, read or heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. Now in that society, in that culture, tearing one's robe was a sign of sorrow. It was a sign of grief. It was a sign of humbling oneself, of turning away from one's sin, and putting one's trust in God. Without repentance, there can be no change in our lives affected by reading the Bible. What did Josiah repent of? Well, I believe he repented of all the sins of his ancestors that had of his father, of his grandfather, that had led to a whole nation turning away from God. He repented of the sins that led to the temple being in disrepair, to all kinds of things going on in the temple and across the land that were not in accordance with the commands of God's word. And as we'll see, God's judgment was poised to descend on the nation because of their sin. And so Josiah repented and he sought God's guidance. Verse 13, he gave the command. He says, go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. So Josiah gave instructions to inquire of the Lord what should be done. His fathers had not obeyed 
God's commands that were written and God's judgment was poised. It was coming. The anger of God was coming. And so a prophetess named Huldah brought God's word to Josiah through the Holy Spirit. God spoke through this prophetess. And she said that God's judgment could not be stopped. The sin of the nation was too great. God's judgment was going to fall on them and they would be taken off into captivity in Babylon. But because of Josiah's repentance, because of, as we'll see him, turning his heart back to God, the judgment would not happen in his lifetime. And as we'll see, King Josiah had an opportunity to impact his generation and bring them back into the ways of God. Josiah had an opportunity to impact his generation with this truth, the truth of God's word. But it all began when the book of the law was read for the first time in several generations. So let's apply these principles to our lives today. As the video we saw taught about God's, the need for God's word to be written on our hearts, how do we have God's word written on our hearts? The only way that we can is by reading God's word, by understanding it, accepting it, and allowing it to penetrate our hearts. Now, that's nothing new if you've attended here for a while. Encouragement to read God's word every day. But let's take it a step further. Because we need the proper motivation to read God's word or we won't be faithful in it. Why do we read the Bible? Do we read the Bible so that we can understand all the stories? And if somebody comes up with a story, I know that one. I've heard that one before. Pastor Dan, I know who Josiah was. I, I've read it. Check that one off. Is that why we read the Bible? Do we read the Bible so that we can check off our daily to-do list? I don't know, did any of you have to-do lists? It feels good to check them off, you know? Read the Bible today. Check. That's a brownie point, right, God? <laughs> Special blessing today. I did it. Well, it's a good habit to have. It's a good habit to read the Bible each and every day. But why do we do it? We read the Bible so that our lives change. Actually, we read the Bible so that we can repent. We don't read the Bible so that we can tell somebody else, this is what you ought to do, although maybe there's some of that. But we read it primarily for ourselves. And so as we read the Bible, we repent of ways of thinking that are contrary to what the Bible teaches. Say, oh, I never saw that before. I always thought this way, but the Bible says that, and I, I repent of my wrong way of thinking, and I choose to think the way the Bible teaches. I choose to believe what the Bible says and not the thing that I believed before, the thing that I'd read. Most of the ways of thinking in our society are wrong. And just about every time I read in a news story or on the media or have somebody talking about what they say the Bible teaches, I wince. Because it's almost always completely wrong. So don't take into your heart, take into your life what other people say the Bible is teaching. What other people say, especially in our media today, is usually wrong. 
So the Bible wants to train our minds to think God's thoughts. The Bible wants to teach us to think God's ways. And to do that, we need to repent of ways we are thinking that are not according to God's truth. Secondly, this is the way people usually think of repentance. We repent of anything we're doing that the Bible says is wrong. The Bible says it's wrong. I need to repent. I need to stop doing what I'm doing, tell God I'm sorry, and turn away from it, turn to God. I think that's the meaning most people think of repentance. But another way, as we read the Bible, we should repent of anything we should be doing but aren't doing. There's many commands the Bible tells us to do certain things, and if we're not doing them, we're in sin. We need to repent of the sins of omission, the things that we have omitted from our lives that God is telling us to do. Some people read the Bible and say, well, this doesn't apply to me. It's just a story, the story of a king of thousands of years ago. How does that apply to me? That's an easy way out, isn't it? That's just a story. Good story. I'll just carry on. What was that first verse that we read? It says, All Scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So everything you read in the Bible, if you ask God, is there to teach you something. It's there to correct you. It's there to rebuke you. You want to be rebuked? The Bible's going to do it if you will receive its rebukes. All Scripture applies to us if we're willing to understand it and repent of the things where it calls us to change. And as we repent, just as Josiah did, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you into a new way of living, a new way of thinking. So as I was studying this week, this passage, I thought, we need to read to repent, to change. Otherwise, what good is it to read the Bible, to change our way of thinking, to bring us from discouragement to encouragement? Are there things in your life that you believe God wants to change? If so, God can do it through his word. Repentance is a good thing. It's a very good thing. Without repentance, you will never change. You will never move into all the blessing that God has for you. And as we read God's word, we need to follow God's word. Verse 19. This is the prophetess Huldah speaking to King Josiah, giving God's word to him. She says, because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people that they would become accursed and laid waste because you tore your robes and wept in my presence. I have heard you, declares the Lord. And so God had seen how King Josiah had responded when he heard the word of the Lord, undoubtedly for the first time, being read word for word. His heart had not been hard. He had been responsive to the truth. He didn't say, well, that was my father, that was my grandfather, but... I'm not like that. He began to weep. He humbled himself. He wept. He tore his robes. And as a result, the judgment of God was delayed until after his death. And so King Josiah had an opportunity not only to repent, but also to lead his whole nation in that same repentance. He had a job to do. He needed to share the truth that he had learned 
to share the truth of God's word. Chapter 23, then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the men of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. What did he do? It says he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. And so King Josiah called together all the leaders of the nations, of the nation, the nation of Judah, to the temple of the Lord. The king himself read to them the words of the book of the covenant. Interesting, it's referred to here as the book of the covenant. The book of the covenant, the book of the law are the same thing, but they're emphasizing different things. The book of the covenant is God's covenant, his promise to bless Israel if they walked in his ways and his promise to bring judgment if they disobeyed him. That's the covenant, the book that had been lost but now had been found. And so he read the book to the people. It's important to read the words of God's word. And that's one reason we use a lot of scripture in this church. It's not enough just to have one verse and tell stories all morning. We base what we say on the word of God. Josiah shared the truth that he had found. He'd found a truth, but he didn't keep it for himself. He wanted to share it with his whole nation. The truth that had changed his heart could change the heart of the nation. And as we read, the nation repented and followed God during King Josiah's reign. He then continued to follow God's word by removing all the idols that had been in the land and in the temple. Verse 4, the king ordered Hilkiah the high priest, the priest next in rank, and the doorkeepers to remove from the temple of the Lord all the articles made for Baal and Asher and all the starry hosts. He burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of the Kidron Valley and took the ashes to Bethel. And so the temple of the Lord itself contained all kinds of articles that had been formerly used to worship idols in the very temple. King Josiah had all these burned. As we read through chapter 23, he did many other things to rid the land of idols and evil practices. He destroyed the houses of the male homosexual prostitutes who lived in the temple itself. Can you imagine that? He destroyed their houses. He defiled and destroyed pagan altars across the country. He defiled the place of Topheth where people sacrificed their sons and daughters to the idol Molech so that it could never be used again. He removed all these temptations to worship anything other than the one true God. The idols were destroyed. And then he turned to God wholeheartedly. Verse 25 gives us God's verdict on King Josiah. It says, Never, neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did, with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with all the law of Moses. That's a pretty good conclusion to one's life, is it not? He read and he followed God's word wholeheartedly. So what can we learn to apply to our lives today? How do we need to repent? First of all, when God teaches us something in his word, we have a responsibility to share that truth with others. 
Have you been witnessing and sharing the truth that God has given to you with other people around you? If not, we need to repent because each and every believer is commanded by God, commanded by Jesus to be his witnesses. Next, in order to follow God wholeheartedly, we need to remove all idols from our lives. We're not talking about little statues, little stone or wood things that we put on our shelves, although some of those things still exist today. But is there anything in your life that has a priority higher than God? That's an idol. Needs to be removed. Is there anything in your life that God's word says is wrong? If you're continuing to do this thing that's wrong and you know it's wrong, God's word says it's wrong, it's an idol. You're worshiping an idol. Needs to be removed. We can do that as we seek God wholeheartedly. And so King Josiah is a wonderful example. He served God. He reigned for 31 years in Judah. There was a genuine revival in the land. Why? Because he heard and he acted on God's word. Are you reading God's word daily? God wants you to do it. If not, I urge you to begin this week. There's some Bible reading charts over on the table, the ministry table between the two doors. And it has all the chapters in the Bible written out in a little grid and you can check them off as you read the Bible one day at a time. Or you can use a smartphone app if you have one. There's a probably many apps. One that I use is called YouVersion. And it can give you a different scripture every day. You can read through the Bible in a year or however long you want it to be. Different helps we have today. But as you read, don't just seek to check off a box. I did my reading today. That's a good thing. But seek to understand. Engage your heart. Say, God, how would you have this word change me? What would you have me repent of, turn away from, and embrace? How do you want to change my thinking? What good things does this word say I should be doing that I'm not? Help me to move in the right direction. Forgive me, God, for being comfortable with my life as it is right now. Give me a hunger and a thirst, we ought to pray as we read the Bible, to become more like the person you want me to be. And any idols from your life, ask God to help you to remove them so that you can walk in the blessing of the Lord. Today, if you're not a believer, or you're not sure you're a believer, I want to give you an opportunity to become a believer, to serve God wholeheartedly with your whole life. We're going to pray a simple prayer. And in that prayer, we're going to admit that we've sinned, that we've done wrong things. We're going to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ to forgive us, and we're going to commit our lives to following him. So I'd ask you now to bow your head so that we may pray. I'm going to pray a simple prayer, and if you'd like to commit or recommit your life to the Lord this morning, I encourage you to follow along with me. Say something like this, Father, today I admit that I've I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I know I've done things that your word says are sin. But I believe that Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross, took my sins upon himself that I might be forgiven. Please forgive me. I believe he rose from the dead. Three days after being crucified, and he is alive today, and I commit myself to following him as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.